Go Be Great, episode 24, presented to you by Hardo Sports. Happy New Year, everybody. First of all, I uh, hope everybody is so far having a healthy New Year here in 2023. Um, if you're on the New Year's resolution wave, I hope that your efforts are going well and that you're going to stick to it for a while. I know um, a lot of people are headed out to the gym or maybe picking up a new uh, you know, hobby or trying to create better habits for themselves, whatever it is. Hope it goes well this year. Um, because you can always make yourself better, you know, and there's no such thing as the perfect human being. And uh, hey, we're all out here trying to get better, whatever it is in 2023. I hope it goes well for you. I know one thing for me, um, we'll be putting out some consistent episodes. Uh, you know, I know that I've always been saying it uh, over this 24-episode tenure so far, this podcast, and of course, there have been some breaks, um, and uh, you know, I have not talked to you guys since December 8th, um, a month break, unfortunately, due to the uh, passing of my grandfather a few days after uh, episode 23, so I apologize about that. Um, you know, it was a really tough loss for, for me and my family. Unfortunately, uh, my grandpa is pretty much a father figure in my life. So, um, you know, over the last month, it's been kind of a transitional period for me, I'd, I'd say. Because um, I, 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 you know, now I got to go out there and and fulfill what he, he wanted all of us to, to do. Um so definitely will be missed. Definitely, uh, you know, hug your your loved ones, of course, as always, because you never know when that last time is going to be or, or when that last, you know, anything, whatever you guys like to do together, you never know when that last event's going to be. So especially with, like I said, if you're healthy, you know, be grateful for your health. And if you have people still here with you, be grateful for every every moment you get to spend with them because you never know. So, um, yeah, you know, that happened. Um, then Christmas and New Year's, as you know, it's a, it's a wild time. Um, I was always thinking about trying to get back, you know, out on the airwaves. Unfortunately, I couldn't get it done. You know, I really do apologize because I think – you know, for a couple of days, obviously, like I said, it's understood as to why the podcast didn't come out, but um, maybe not my best efforts in terms of the the period after Christmas. And then uh, recently have been working a little side job as, as a pizza delivery. So not as much free time, but still not a good excuse to not uh, put this out for you guys, um, especially when college football is one of my biggest topics all season um and you know as well as the nfl which came down to a crazy uh last couple weeks ending there for for especially the teams that i've been covering the jets and the giants one team in the playoffs one team misses the playoffs on a six game losing streak um you know missed the whole college football playoff and i do just want to make a quick mention because it just feels wrong not to do it uh, Argentina defeats France in the World Cup, probably 
sending Messi out on his last um, international appearance with a victory and probably the only trophy he didn't already have. So Messi probably one of the two or three best football players, you know, soccer players to ever to ever lace them up. Um, and definitely takes a, a big step in front of uh, Ronaldo from Portugal, in my opinion. Um, so shout out to Argentina. You know, we, we're all lucky to say that we got to witness that. Um, and we'll see. Maybe he, he does make it another four years somehow. We'll see. Uh, maybe he'll come back uh and you know not be a starter and want to just come in late we'll we'll see you never know you can't put it past this guy um and what a game it was i believe uh 3-2 victory for for argentina um where they were up to nothing really the whole game and then two goals in the last 9 minutes from france to send it to extra time or maybe it's 4-3 cuz cuz it's not uh sudden death in the world cup And I think both teams scored in overtime. So um, really great, great overall tournament. Um, I know that there was definitely concerns about what was going to happen in uh, Qatar. And, you know, clearly, unfortunately for the U.S. soccer media, Grant Wall did pass. Um, but no real foul play suspected, so that's good. Um, and otherwise, you know, Not that the media really covered it, but for the most part, as far as we know, no, uh, you know, events where fans were harmed or anything of the sort. So, um, the quick hitter on the World Cup is now over. For the rest of the episode, we'll do college football, especially the playoff. Um, and Mike Leach unfortunately passed as well in my during my month hiatus. So, wanna talk about him real quick because I think he. You know, I don't know, to the average or to the casual football fan, maybe they don't know who this man is, but um, definitely a major contributor to why offense is played the way it is, I think, on both levels, not just college as well as the NFL. Um, and his coaching tree is unbelievable in terms of not only who he's had on his staff, but who he's coached as players who have went on to do great things um, with a very similar offense on both levels. Um, so I want to definitely mention him before, you know, or after I do the football playoff. Sorry, I missed bowl season. I know I, you know, was coming out with the, the bowl episode and then uh, everything kind of really accelerated with my grandpa's health. So, uh, you know, didn't really have time to prepare it and then bowl season started and I was trying to get out something for the new year six potentially and that didn't come to fruition either so from my knowledge or from what I remember of the bowl season like I, I don't feel like I won too much but I don't feel like I I like lost more than I won I think I just kind of really split 50 50 on the picks um, I definitely did have a rough one in terms of the playoffs because I had both semifinals wrong and the national championship wrong. Um, so not great on those ends. Um, after the college football playoff and Mike Leach conversations, 
we'll go to the NFL. Um, Damar Hamlin, of course, that happened uh, about, I guess that's 12 days ago now on Monday, January 1st. Today is Friday, January 13th, the first Friday the 13th in 2023. So be careful out there. But um, we're going to talk about Damar Hamlin and what happened there. Um, we're going to talk about the Jets and the Giants, and then I'll do the previews and picks of Wild Card Weekend. And then uh, going to round out with some good old Major League Baseball talk. We've got Yankees uh, signing Radon since um, I've spoken to you guys, as well as bringing back a fan favorite, Tommy Canley, who honestly I don't have much written up on him um, in preparation of talking about him, but. Definitely a great clubhouse guy from when his he was here. Um, I think he was here from like 2017 to 2020, if I'm not mistaken. Um, was always a great like seventh, eighth inning guy. So uh, they've gotten those two guys since then. They've hired Brian Sabian um, as like a advisor to Brian Cashman. So we'll, we'll get into that and then round it out with Carlos Correa. So it's an action-packed episode, folks. I hope you guys are excited. I'm super excited. And in the words of Mike Quick, let's get it on. College football playoff uh, is where we – now, I'm going to start with Mike Leach because I feel like uh, I don't want to just leave him for last. I'll just talk because I'll definitely leave Georgia's TCU for last as that game – really all you can say is that Georgia pummeled TCU and really – made the prospects or the hopes of the expansion being good for college football playoff, like competitive games. Uh, I feel like it, it definitely throws some pessimism that there will be a lot of closer games. Obviously the, the, the semifinal was pretty close both games, but um, championship, not so much. But we'll start with Mike Leach. Uh, unfortunately, suddenly passed away at the age of 61 on December 13th on a Monday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, literally one month ago. He spent 21 seasons as a head coach in college football, first at Texas Tech for 10 years, then the next eight uh, after one year off at Washington State, and then the final three at Mississippi State. Um, one of the... Pioneers of the air raid offense, which has greatly contributed to the modern day spread offense. Um, he was, you know, he has had key assistants go on to be great college head coaches, including Son Sonny Dykes, the head coach of TCU, who just lost in the championship. Uh, Dana Holgerson, who spent time at West Virginia, I believe, before now being the current head coach of Houston. Uh, Dave Aranda of Baylor, who I know is definitely a different coach because he is more of a defensive mind coach, but um, still nonetheless a winner. And now the big in the Big 12, probably having an easier path with Oklahoma and Texas leaving. So um, Dave Aranda could be looking at a little mini, uh, you know, Big 12 dynasty over there with Baylor in the coming years. Um he has also coached Neil Brown, the head coach of West Virginia, Josh Heupel, the coach of Tennessee, uh, Lincoln Riley, 
the coach of USC, and Cliff Kingsbury, the former, now former coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Um, three as quarterbacks, Neil Brown as wide receiver. So, you know, guys who have taken what they've learned from their college experiences and went on to be pretty damn good coaches. Uh, Lincoln Riley probably, you know, a, a good game against uh, Utah away from being in the football playoff this year. Uh, you know, Cliff Kingsbury had great tenure at Texas Tech before he ended up with the Cardinals. Obviously, the Cardinals, his tenure started out good and then not so much uh, in the last year and is now out. And we'll see what type of job he gets next. I think maybe coming back to college, I haven't really heard much, um, but Mike Leach has definitely left a massive uh, legacy here in college football with those guys um, all, you know, not only just being great at their job, but doing mostly, you know, outside of Dave Aranda, doing it in a form of what they've learned from their coach. I mean, Josh Heupel's Tennessee offense is out there running, you know, the air raid basically. And their offense ends as one of the best in the country. Um, if Hendon Hooker doesn't get hurt, which I know it's in the last game of the season, but for the first eight games of the season, at least, they're the best offense in the country. Um, you have Lincoln Riley, same thing. Caleb Williams wins the Heisman. They're running a version of air raid. Um, Sonny Dykes, Max Duggan was either second or third. And they made the national championship. So, um, not only in terms of what happened on the field, you know, like I've been mentioning, his touch of his strategy and his formations of offense are obviously still seen today, not only just by those guys, but by other coaches as well. Um, just was so unafraid to be himself, to encourage others to be themselves. Um, you know, he was definitely, you know, if you ever have watched an interview and if you haven't, I go definitely encourage you to see what this man was like. Um, you know, I was just not afraid to talk about different topics than football, um, including, you know, about wildlife, especially about pirates, um, you know, he seemed to be informed on everything while also, you know, working a full-time job as a as a college football coach for all these years. Um, never won a national championship. I know he had a couple of conference championships at Tech and Wazoo. I don't think he won one in the three years with Mississippi State because I think Georgia and Alabama have won every year. Um, in that conference, but um, just an overall great man. Everybody, you know, who was either coached by him or knew him or, uh, you know, was a friend, a family member. When he passed over that time and the media was covering it, everybody had great things to say. Everybody had a nice story. So, um, you know, just. A very sad loss. Um, I don't even remember if Mississippi State won their bowl game um, after that. I think they did. And uh, can't imagine what that was like losing their coach 
during the season. Um, of course, with the transfer portal, now you have to figure uh, a lot of those guys can be on the move. Uh, who knows who Mississippi State will bring in, um, but it'll be really tough shoes to fill. Uh, the late, great Mike Leach. So rest in peace to Mike. Um, you know, he'll definitely be missed. And uh, we will move on to the football playoff here. Um, first game was TCU-Michigan. And I believe that game was at, oh, I don't know why it's kind of escaping my mind. I know that Georgia and Ohio State was at the Peach Bowl in uh, – Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, but I can't recall where TCU-Michigan was. But either way, this game kicked off, and um, Michigan moved the ball right down the field on the first drive. But on fourth and goal, they go for Philly Special. And listen, Philly Special clearly has worked um, more than once for, for the Eagles in that Super Bowl. For other teams as well, it's worked plenty of times since then. Um, and I, I don't – it's not that I think the play, like you, you just shouldn't run it at all. Of course, there's there's times for it. I don't know that the time for it is on the first drive of the game when you've moved it so easily. And now the ball's on the two. So not only on the two are you taking snaps in shotgun when for the most part your team's an under center, under center team anyway. Um, you take it in shotgun, the ball goes backwards. And then, not only does it go backwards, but the throw doesn't even get off because it's covered. So it just kind of gives off, like, we're scared to beat you doing our brand, like football, which either would have been them running it or a play-action pass, in my opinion. Um, because McCarthy on the run, Maybe not the best passer in terms of like actually being on the run, but either someone would have been open or he would have been able to run the ball in if it's a play action pass. So I, I'm not sure I understand that play call. Um they end up getting a stop, but then a pick six. So like and just not Michigan just didn't have their best foot forward in the beginning of this game. It it goes to the half twenty one six. Um they just don't look good. It was 41-22 in the third. I'm not even going to lie. Like, I kind of turned it off. So I had to go back and watch exactly what happened. Um, so at 41-22, Michigan scores. TCU gets the ball back, and they fumble, and Michigan scores again. So they've scored 16 points in a very quick amount of time. But on third and seven, Max Duggan throws a drag to Quentin Johnson, and he goes the distance. So... Overall, for me, um, Michigan, for having that great of a defense, like I get that TCU's offense was probably in the top five in terms of efficiency this season. Like they were really good. Max Duggan, uh, you know, he got invited to the to the Heisman for a reason. Quentin Johnson, I think, was um, in terms of the awards. I think he. I don't remember what the wide, best wide receiver award is called, but I know that he was a finalist for it. Um, had a monster season for the Horned Frogs. But for Michigan, I think overall, like 
you can't have a month to prepare for this game and let this happen. Like, defense should always win. And I'm not saying that they should have won the game, but they should not have given up 51 points because a lot of it was just bad tackling, uh, missed assignments, and people just running past. Like, it was just not the Michigan brand of football that they played the whole season. I think you got that vibe when the coaching staff decided to go Philly special on the first drive of the game on fourth and goal from the two. Um that they were they were flustered by this team. So uh yeah, it was forty one thirty eight. Quentin Johnson goes the distance to make it forty eight thirty eight. Um the game ended up fifty one forty five because afterwards um Michigan punted. TCU got a field goal. Michigan then scored a touchdown. Um and then when TCU had the ball, Michigan burned all their timeouts, still ended up with the ball like 30 seconds, but it was not going to be enough for J.J. McCarthy and the Wolverines to come back. So they got eliminated in the first game, um, which was a big surprise. Michigan was a favored, uh, I believe, by eight points. And I had Michigan. I thought that they were going to run the ball very well against TCU, and they did. Um, but between the the goal line stop on Philly special, um, a pick six in the first half, actually I think in both halves, the TCU defense scored a touchdown. Um, so JJ McCarthy was turning the ball over a little bit, and TCU just outlasted Michigan. So um, they earned their way to the championship at SoFi Stadium in the first game. And then the second game turned out to be, in my opinion, uh, like uh, one of the, the more classic games in college football history. Um, just given the fact that Georgia and Ohio state were probably the two best teams in college football this year. If you just kind of look back at things like it's sad to say that maybe we all overreacted about Michigan's win over Ohio State, but if you look back, Ohio State really did play an awful game, like overall terrible game. Their worst of the season, and they played some bad games on the stretch. Um, but then they had a month to prepare for Georgia, and if you give a team with that much talent a month to prepare, they're going to come out and have a good chance. Like It doesn't matter who's on the other side. I know that Georgia – was on a 28 to 1 28 and 1 streak at the time and of course or not 27 and 1 because they won two games and made it 29 and 1 so they're on a 27 and 1 streak they hadn't lost since i believe like November of 2021 so like that you know they're on a roll and they're a really good team just as talented if not more talented than you but give these guys from Ohio State a month to prepare they're going to be in the game and not only were they in the game they were winning the game um it was back and forth ohio state was up 21-7 early in the first half but georgia was able to score two quick touchdowns in the second quarter um to tie it up 21-21 you had a field goal for georgia before the half but then a 38-yard touchdown on a halfback streak for ohio state had 28-24 at half 
only one touchdown for Ohio State in the third quarter, and it was 35-24 at the beginning of the fourth quarter when on a punt for Ohio State, they had an easy fake for a first down. Everybody saw it, um, including Kirby Smart, and he called timeout just before the snap. And I think like it's crazy that I've watched so much sports to be like, oh, that's the turning point of the game. Like I know it, here comes uh, Georgia, especially – because in the second half of that game, Ohio State's defense really did step up and shut it down for Georgia. Um, but then Georgia was able to come back. They score a touchdown after receiving the ball back to make it 35-32. Um, and it's just an overall back-and-forth game. It's 42-41, and Ohio State gets the ball up to about the 35 for Noah Ruggles to make the kick. Um, and it's no good at midnight. Literally, Noah Ruggles kicks the ball. It hooks wide left. The ball drops at midnight, literally in Times Square and inside of Atlanta's Mercedes-Benz Stadium off the foot of Noah Ruggles. And there you had it, folks. It was going to be set up for Georgia and TCU for what was supposed to be a great game, even though the Vegas book uh, the books all have really had it snuffed out. It was a 13-point spread in favor of Georgia, and Georgia spanks TCU 66-7. Um, and I think people are, you know, I think now there is a legit discussion to be had about maybe that the expansion of the playoffs is not the best thing for college football because if, if there's just a lot more of those types of games it's just not good for the product, I don't think. Um, of course, if you get two games like like the the college football playoff uh, semifinal, then yeah, you're you're gonna want to see more of these these playoff games. Um, but but TCU is the third best team in the country this year. If there's a fifty nine point difference between one and three, uh, then what is the difference gonna be between? five and 12 on number five's home field. What's the difference going to be between one and five in the quarterfinal? Or excuse me, one and eight in the quarterfinal or one and nine in the quarterfinal. Um, I, you know, I've been kind of calling for the expansion and I think even as crazy as it sounds, if the podcast came out before the national championship, maybe I would have been saying, there you go. There's your, reason to expand because look at those two games you can get more of that um on primetime tv down the stretch in december instead of having you know games where players are opting out and i think that's really the only pro towards expanding because then those teams that are in that because you know just for example this year penn state would have been in the top 12 do i think they deserve to be in the playoff no, because I think they would have gotten smashed by one of those teams. But then your NFL prospects such as Joey Porter probably playing the game instead of opt out of the Rose Bowl. So the pro is that, yeah, now there's the lesser chance of these players opting out. But there's also a chance that an unwatchable product goes on the field. Um 
and I don't think anybody wants that. So Georgia smashes TCU. They are the college football champion. Stetson Bennett's career is over with back-to-back -back national champions and probably as crazy as it sounds because I don't think he's that good. He goes down as one of the best college football quarterbacks of all time because he went 29 or 30 and 3 as a starter. Um, yeah, he literally went 3 and 2 in his first season and then lost one game the rest of the way and won two national championships, including one season where he got invited to the Heisman uh, Trophy presentation as a finalist. So, um, I I just don't think he's good. I don't like the player. Like I don't like him. He's played well. I, I'll give him that. I mean, at the end of the day, they were gonna be the you know they were the number one talent. They were the most talented team in both of those seasons. So your quarterback just has to not make mistakes, but at the same time, he has to make plays too. So, I mean, he's not the best quarterback I've ever watched. He's definitely not the worst quarterback I've ever watched. He's not going to get drafted because he's 25 and his football career, at least in terms of American football, I think is probably over. Maybe a CFL career for Stetson Bennett. Maybe not. Maybe a TV career, although he is an awful interview. Um, who knows? But definitely goes down as one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. Um, and that is just kind of sad, in my opinion. Um, so we move on from college football because now the season is over. Um, you know, I I would love to say that I follow recruiting as, as much as either my cousins or my brother does. I don't. Um, but really the only recruiting story that I even know about is because I'm interested in and how Deion Sanders is going to do at Colorado is that Cormany McLean, who's from Miami, is committed to Miami, but he plays defensive back. And there is potential maybe that he was going to flip. Um, that's the only story I really know about. I don't know about any of my team's recruiting classes. I don't know about any of my team's um, transfer portal situations. So... I'm not going to cover it blindly, of course. Uh, so I guess college football won't get talked about now for a bit. Um, it's been a great season. You know, the picks went, at, I think, 57%. So that was good. I mean, the NFL picks were awful, but college was good. So that'll come back, of course, in August. Um you know, college basketball will probably get like that portion of the episode now because here we are, it's January 15th. Uh, you know, there's there's 60 days until we, we get into to conference championship time and then the big dance. So, you know, not that I don't think much of what has happened between November whatever date the season started and today matters. But of course what happens in the next 60 days matters a lot more. So um, I've been watching from afar, you know, it's always going to be a same group of teams. Um, 
But I think Houston and the coach Sampson are an amazing team this year, a team that has been one of the best teams in the country now for a couple of seasons in a row. Um, that would be my very early pick to win this year. Um, in terms of UNC, I've been watching from afar. Armando Baycott just got hurt against Virginia, but the team is pretty much the same as last year in terms of who the players are, in terms of how the team has been playing so far to this, to, to this season. They're really good. They're in every game. They have a lead in every second half, and they cl can't close out the game. It was literally the same story last year, and they started to figure out, you know, how to play together in literally March, and they got hot at the right time. At the end of the day, that's kind of what sports are about. Like, you don't have to have the greatest start, but if you are just having – if you're just in the conversation for a bit and then all of a sudden you figure it out and your second half of the season is amazing and then, you know, if you catch fire at the right time, you could be the champion. So – um we'll move on to the NFL. Um uh you know, college football is over, college basketball will be in. Um it's gonna be an exciting time, but NFL playoffs will kick off on Saturday, January 14th, so that will be tomorrow. Um, so the next three weeks will probably be just NFL. I mean, there will be a little bit of MLB talk with spring training kind of creeping closer. Uh, I saw a post that spring training is closer than the end of last season, so that's good. Um, very excited for, for baseball to be back, but, I mean, the NBA is not going to get talked about. I think uh you know the only thing i've missed is injuries really and i'll very quickly go through that after the mlb right before i do the outro because uh well, i can just do enough that's really fine anthony davis is hurt kevin durant's hurt there's probably a bunch of other stars hurt we'll see who's healthy at the right time once again like i said if you get hot at the right time that's the way to go um kevin durant and kyrie irving and the Nets have turned it around with Jack Vaughn as the coach, but Kevin Durant, like I said, hurt. Anthony Davis hurt, but the Lakers are doing a little bit better than they were. They just need to hang around and hope he comes back. Um, and I think Luka Doncic will win the MVP. Um, but I think that's enough about basketball for now. Like I said, NFL and MLB to close out the episode, and I think those will be really the only two topics here on GBG for the next month. Um, so we'll we'll kick it off with with the very somber and you know now a lot less somber because Demar Hamlin has been um, discharged from both the hospital in Cincinnati and the hospital in Buffalo, and is now home um, with his family. So that's amazing. But on Monday, January second, in the first quarter of a very highly anticipated Monday night football game between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. A very routine play happened. T. Higgins caught the ball over the middle. 
lowered his shoulder, uh, tackled by DeMar Hamlin. Um, and DeMar Hamlin got up and then all of a sudden was not up. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I was on my phone. Like, I was not really locked into the game yet. Uh, I kind of looked up in a commercial break being like, why? Like, I feel like this game has been in commercial for so long. And then all of a sudden I go to Twitter and they're talking about there's being CPR on the field. CPR. Now, that is something, you know, football is definitely a physical game. And I think when people say we're putting our lives on the line, like, that's really no joke because maybe they're not putting their lives on the line for that day. But, you know, the hits add up, whether it's unfortunately to CTE or to to body parts not feeling very well for the rest of your life. Um It's true, you're, you're you are putting your life on the line out there, but I don't think anyone, and I personally have played football for over seven, you know, seven or eight seasons. I've never strapped it up once, thinking that my life was ever in jeopardy. Um, and so this, I think, was pretty scary, just because, you know, obviously there's the speed of the NFL, which is kind of unmatched, but that could have been any one. You know, any football player, what like, could have been anyone. So, um, just you know, can't imagine what the family was going through at that time. Um, I've, uh, like I said, played eight seasons. I've had my family at plenty of games before, um, and I can't imagine what that family was going through um, during this time. But. You know, not to – I know that it is a uh, super s scary situation, um, but I would like to clap it up for literally – like I would clap louder and more for the medical teams, not only of the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, but – for the Bills and the Bengals medical teams who were on site and likely contributed to this man still being alive. I mean, uh, it's crazy to say that, you know, one of the best places to have this medical emergency happen to you is on a football field because there are literally, who knows, 30, 40, 50 medical professionals just standing there. Obviously not one that they are expecting but definitely one that they're trained for and clearly because they you know resuscitated the young man on the field not once but twice um and from everything i've read is going to be fine neurologically which is the most important um to my understanding walking and jumping around in his uh hospital room so that's great and who knows I mean, obviously, will be a miracle if he does play again. You know, who knows if he wants to play again? But it was great to see everybody come and uplift him and his family. Uh, he was running a toy drive. I think the toy drive made almost $10 million in donations. Uh, I saw all of his social media went up from like 50000 to almost a million. So 
a lot of people were rooting for this guy after such a crazy accident happened. Um, and luckily he's going to live to tell the story. So, um, like I said, almost everybody, uh, was on, you know, the side of just wanting to be there for, for the family and praying, you know, cause for the players, cause that they obviously had to be there for a really intense and scary moment. Um, but there was always going to be the one contrarian. And of course it was Mr. Skip Bayless. Uh, I'm definitely wondering how long it is until Shannon Sharp leaves that show because uh, he took the day off after these comments uh, via tweet. And I know I didn't really have a hard of the week planned and I don't even know exactly what the tweet said. Um, he basically said, you know, how is the game, how is the league going to reschedule this game? And it was just, you know, even if maybe he was right, like how, how are they going to reschedule this game? And it ended up that they didn't reschedule the game. They actually canceled it. And now if those two teams meet in the playoffs, um, it will be held at neutral site Atlanta. So, um, you know, just poorly timed, just not what to say in that moment, especially when you have a lot of people looking at what you're going to say, um, especially if it's wrong. Um, and then, you know, Michael Strahan had comments on the pregame show for Fox ahead of week 18. Um, and I, I really wouldn't be surprised to see either Shannon leave or Skip be fired in the near future, but uh, we'll see. I, I you know. Like I said, it was really cool to see everybody else um, come together in support. And luckily, he is going to, you know, he's going to live to tell tell us his account of things. And, you know, who knows, whatever he's going to do, it seems like he's a great young kid uh, that has a good, you know, head on, on his shoulders. Like I said, running a a drive for young kids who don't have as much um, and now has a lot of support behind it. So hopefully, um, hopefully more great things find this kid um, and whatever he wants to do, I hope he gets to do it. So we kind of move on to the playoffs, uh, but not before, I make some quick comments about the Jets. Uh, seven and four to seven and ten to close out the regular season. Yes, a six-game losing streak. Uh, I feel like it's pretty unfortunate the Jets missed the playoffs because if they got in, I think they'd give a better game than the Ravens without Lamar Jackson and the Dolphins without Tua. Even. I don't want to say even with their starters, the Jets, like, I just feel like the Jets overall team is really good. I feel like because their defense is so good and it's so good at key positions, they really could have made some noise. Um, and also I think because the Jets were just so in such disarray for the last seven years, um, where, you know, basically every December didn't matter. Uh, I think 
the expectations changed and like you just were hoping this was going to be the year that it changed and it, and it looked like it was going to be the year that it changed and then everything kind of fell off uh you know the wheels fell off the bus if you will so um jets lost 11-6 to the dolphins in week 18 uh i forget what was the last game before uh you know my month hiatus but i mean They lose to the Lions on on the last drive of the game. Zach Wilson didn't really play that great um, because Mike White broke his ribs. Then Mike White, um, excuse me, then they put Zach Wilson in against the Jaguars on Thursday Night Football, and the defense played really well, only gave up 19 points, but Zach couldn't move the ball at all. Um, Chris Streveler kind of moved it in one drive, and that was it. Jets lost 19-3 or 22-3, whatever the hell it was. Um, then they played the Seahawks. Mike White played with four broken ribs. It was very clear the ball wasn't coming out as fast. Um, and the Jets' overall effort wasn't that great in Seattle either, at least in the first half. Um, and they lost and the season was over, and then they had nothing to play for in Miami and lost that game too. Um, all they really needed, I think, was a, a decent QB. I think Mike White could have been that, but got hurt, and now he's been hurt every time that he's had the chance to be the starter, and I think, therefore, can't be in contention for the starting job next year. I would bring him back as the backup, for sure. The problem is that Zach Wilson is going to be on the roster based on what they're saying now. I like I don't think that personally, but if you're taking what they're saying to be true, then right now their plan is to have Zach Wilson as the backup at the very least, if not be the starter. So I don't know if it makes sense to have three QBs on decent contracts on the roster because Mike White will probably get $5 million a year if I had to take a guess next season. Um, and Zach Wilson's on the rookie deal as the number two pick, so that's a couple of million as well. And then if you're signing a third guy, it's going to be a lot more. So um, who knows? Maybe that was the last time we see Mike White as a Jet. If it was, shout out to Mike White. Still a baller regardless of um, whatever is going to happen next. Uh, I think he's good. I think you put a line in front of him, and he could have won some games in January, personally. Um, of course, the line lost everybody, except for Lake and Tomlinson, who was just average. Um, and it's sad, because unfortunately, you can't take players' health and players' Being this good for granted, like Quentin Williams, you know, you obviously hope he's going to be great again next year and not miss time. You hope Sauce Gardner, same thing. You hope about Garrett Wilson being that great and not getting hurt. But the reality is that these guys are human. Maybe they're not as great next season. Um, maybe there's injuries, you know. It would be tough to have a worse injury season, at least on the offensive line standpoint, 
next year from this year. But, you know, unfortunately, you just can't take these players' health and performance for granted. Um, and I feel like it was a year wasted of a lot of great players on rookie contracts, not just the quarterback, um, who unfortunately does stink. Uh, so we'll see. There's been a lot of rumors swirling. The Jets did mutually part ways, which I think they should have just fired them, but mutually part ways with LaFleur, the offensive coordinator, as well as other offensive staff members like Heinz Ward, um, who I think was actually – I forget who on the Jets staff was banned for a year for gambling, but then they fired every other offensive guy after that anyway. So um, I'm glad because I like Salah. I definitely like Douglas. Didn't think either of them should be fired unless it was going to be for Sean Payton. Um, don't think Sean Payton's coming here. If he is, that would be crazy. I would like to see him in Brady or him in Rodgers or even him in Derek Carr because I think he's such a good coach that he could probably make Derek Carr into a better player than he is right now. Um, but there's not a – it's just crazy because I think a lot of people are going to want Derek Carr. I personally don't want him, especially not on whatever type of money the Jets will have to take on from the Raiders. Um, I, you know, I would like, like I said, Rodgers or Brady. We'll see if that's even possible. Lamar, obviously, uh, one of the best players when healthy and, of course, not going to be healthy in that game for the Ravens on Sunday night on NBC, but um, I think other than those three guys, I, I don't know what you do. Your pick is 13. You're probably not in the Stroud or Bryce Young draft spot. I don't think you want to try Will Levis. But maybe you do. I, I mean, I think it's just a big arm and not – someone that can start right away maybe that's what you're kind of looking for maybe you don't want to start your guy right away after what happened with Zach I'm not really sure they have a lot of things to sort out and figure out here in the next couple months for the draft and free agency um, I'm definitely excited because this is a step in the right direction regardless of the six game losing streak at the end of the season um, games mattered up until the last game um Team played well. Team had a, a great unit on the defense. Um, and now it is time. The Jets have to figure out the one problem that they have always had, the quarterback position, um, because everything else right now looks real good. Brees Hall is coming back next year. Zonovan Knight was great this season. Michael Carter didn't have a great season, but overall I think is a good player. So three great running backs. So maybe one of them gone in a trade, but um, you have great running backs. You have two good tight ends in CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin. Garrett Wilson looks like a dog. Elijah Moore, I think is really good. Um, and Corey Davis had a good season when he was hurt, uh, when he was healthy. So um, three great receivers, two good tight end. Like you have a great skill room overall on offense. The line, when healthy, I think will be very good because Elijah Vera Tucker, Tucker, excuse me, was one of the best linemen in football early on in the season. Mackay Becton saying he's healthy, looking good, looking skinny. 
So we'll see if here in now year four, he will finally come back and play after missing two full seasons. Um, that would be pretty crazy, especially if he comes back and is good like he was in year one. Um, you know, you have Dwayne Brown and George Fant who had decent seasons filling in. Um, so at maybe one back, maybe both back. Uh, Tomlinson was average. You know, will definitely be better if there's starters around them. You have Nate Herbig who looked like he was good when he was filling in. So you have a lot of options there. Line looks good. Have to solidify it, of course, either with a good coach or another good signing. But, um, you know, definitely a step in the right direction there. Uh, on defense, like I said, you had Sauce was not literally the number one corner in the league as a rookie. Super crazy. You had DJ Reed turn in a very good season as the number two. Uh, Michael Carter, the second, was overall very good in the slot. Um, the safeties and the linebackers weren't great, but the pass rush and specifically Quinn and Williams were very good. So now you just have to build on this season on defense as well as make the team better. And I think, like I said, not only just quarterback, but linebackers and safeties as well would be very beneficial to this team because they can't cover a soul. C.J. Mosley made a lot of tackles, sure. Um, Quincy Williams and Quan Alexander. Eh, I like Quan. Quincy w Williams hits hard, but not sure that he's the best coverage guy either. Um, and the safeties were just disastrous. I know Jordan Whitehead is on contract for another couple seasons, but, oh, man, neither of them were very good. So um, those are some places the Jets can improve. Um, then it is time to start talking about the other teams who are still playing. Uh, I'll link, I'll talk about the Giants in a little bit more length during you know my preview of their game with the Vikings because I do, you know, I have watched them pretty, pretty closely this season. Maybe not as much down the stretch, but uh, they're in the playoffs. I feel like they have a very favorable matchup against Minnesota. Um, so we'll get right down to the picks Saturday, 430 Fox, uh, the NFL playoff season will kick off with the Seattle Seahawks visiting the San Francisco 49ers. So the Seahawks in week 18, after defeating the jets in week 17, uh, matched up with the Rams. They won an overtime, which meant that they knocked out the lions who were playing on Sunday night football. But the Lions still played hard because they wanted to take out the Packers from playoff contention, and they did. They beat the Packers. So instead of this game being Packers-Niners with a five-game win streak, Aaron Rodgers led Green Bay Packers, which would have been so intriguing, so great. You got the Seahawks, who honestly a lot of people were hyped up about early on in the season with Geno Smith, you know, the whole... Uh, Monday Night Football win in week one and the comments, you know, I they wrote me off, but I ain't right back. And then he played pretty good, the, you know, the whole season. And Tariq Woolen, the rookie corner, was one of the best corners in the league. Um, you know, you have DK Metcalf. They have a good team overall. They really do. Um, 
And then, but you have the Niners, who I think are a Super Bowl contender. They're the home team. Um, defense, you know, they've been saying that they think Nick Bosa should be the MVP, that he's that good. I think he is very good and a game breaker. I don't want to say very good because I feel like that's not even fair to him. He is one of the best players in the NFL. I'm not sure he's the MVP, but definitely a game breaker. Um, it's going to be tough, I think, for the Seahawks to go into Levi's. Uh, Brock Purdy, since taking over for Jimmy G, is 6-0. and Everybody says, oh, Jimmy G's this, Jimmy G is that. He's deserving of this money. Come sign him for my team. I mean, the kid, Brock Purdy, is running the same system with all those best players in the NFL at every position and winning the games and not turning it over. So to me, Jimmy G's overrated um, because this team has not missed a step, not even close. Um, they're favored by nine and a half. The over-under is 42. I'm going to take the Niners uh, minus the, the 10. You know, We'll just make it an even 10. Um, because that's what it's showing here on WinBet plus 102. Those are, you know, I'm on the action sports, so whatever pops up, that's just what I'm going to read. Um, San Fran minus 10 at home. They're on a, you know, big winning streak to end the season. Brock Purdy has been more than serviceable. Um, the Seahawks defense. At the end of the season, did look good. But in this last game against the Rams, Cam Akers ran for 104 yards. Um, and Baker Mayfield and another guy added 31 total yards on six carries. So uh, 27 carries for 134 yards. I think that's not particularly good against a team who has nothing to play for and not that good of a team overall. I mean, they literally finished 5-11-1, uh, and one. and I know that they were missing Cooper Cup and Matt Stafford, but still, uh, just not a good team. And I think the Niners' rushing offense is a lot better than that with Debo, Christian McCaffrey, uh, you got Jeff Wilson, so and Elijah Mitchell. So there's a, a a lot of ways that this San Francisco offense can beat you. The defense is damn good, and I just see this being an overall snoozer at 4:30. Maybe uh San Francisco 31, uh Seattle 10 game. So Seattle minus 10 is the pick. Excuse me, San Fran minus 10 is the pick. Um, and we will move on to pick number two, which is the Saturday night game on NBC. I believe this one uh, is Mike Tirico and Collinsworth. And then Sunday night, or excuse me, Saturday night is Al Michaels and Tony Dungy. Sunday night is Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth, uh, Cincinnati and Baltimore. So I think this is one of the more intriguing games here, uh, the Jaguars and the Chargers. The Jaguars finished up 
on a big winning streak to get into the playoffs. The Chargers, uh, I think overall, like had there were some doubts with the especially their defense after last season. Um, you know, Justin Herbert, if you remember in week 18 last year, had that crazy game. Uh, you know, didn't get a lot of help from anybody else. And they ended up losing to the Raiders, and the Raiders got in and over, you know, got into the playoffs in overtime with a win. And then, you know, you had the comments from people saying that Herbert wasn't better than Tua and what else, you know, all this other stuff. So, Uh, the Chargers, I feel like, are a pretty underdog team in terms of at least the other teams in the league that are or the other teams in the AFC that are in. But then you have the Jaguars, who have been perennial losers and then didn't even have a great start to the season and are just really hot right now. So, um This is a really tough game for me to pick because I personally really like both quarterbacks. I think that overall, the home field is going to matter. I think that the most public side will probably be the Chargers in the entire playoffs, and that makes me want to pick the Jaguars. Um, so I'm going to do it. I think in terms of the skill positions, The Jaguars are better. I know that Austin Eckler is on the other team, but, I mean, Travis Etienne is really good. Uh, the wide receivers for the Jaguars are way better than what the Chargers have. The Jaguars' defense has been pretty good down the stretch. And I'm not saying that the Chargers' defense isn't. I just think that I like the coaches better for Jag. You know, at the end of the day, you have to look at it as quarterbacks, coaches, defense, Those are, you know, important things. Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl head coach. Brandon Staley is questionable on whether to call fourth down passes, runs, field goals, punt. Like, who knows what he's going to do on fourth down. So I would like to take the home team plus the two and a half. So we'll go Jaguars plus two and a half. And I'm guessing whatever the money line is, about 115, 120, I would do that as well. So. Jaguars money line plus 120 pick number two we move on to Sunday and arguably the worst game on the slate the entire weekend and what I think will be one of the worst NFL playoff games of all time the Buffalo Bills minus 13 and a half hosting the Miami Dolphins and Skylar Thompson the third string quarterback um Dolphins will lose this game by 45 points. I think they're horrible. They were a super streaky team during the season. I think they won three games, then they lost three games, then they won five, then they lost five, and then they beat the Jets to get in. Um, Skylar Thompson is a rookie quarterback that is just isn't good. Like It's not his fault. He's just not good. Uh, the Buffalo Bills are very good. And because they have played this team twice, they're going to have a great scout in terms of what to do on offense. 
So not only is their offense really good, but they're going to know exactly what they want to do to beat this team. So I think that matched up with the fact that Miami's offense won't move the ball much and won't be on the field as much. I just think even if there was a chance of the Dolphins' defense putting up a fight, like they're going to get tired at some point. So just a matter of how bad this blowout is, I'm going to take Buffalo minus 13 and a half, and I would definitely try to take it now as soon as possible whenever you hear this. Like Hopefully it's still there before it gets to 14 and a half. Not that I think it matters, but like I said, just in case there is some fight in the Miami Dolphins on Sunday, uh, you don't want to be, you know, you want to have the hook for a good value. Um, so I would definitely try to go get that. Uh, 4.30, Giants, my uh, Minnesota Vikings, Vikings favored by three. Um, what What a game, man. First of all, these two teams played in December, and uh, Minnesota won, but the Giants had the ball at the end of the game and threw a pick like pretty late. So it was an overall very close game. I think the Giants were definitely hoping for this matchup because overall, like, you could have played Sure, you could have got. They were never going to get into the five seed, so it was either play the Niners or play the Vikings. But I think even like yeah, you want to play the Vikings. You want to play the Vikings. You don't want to play the Niners, um, and that's what they got. So they played a close game against this team recently, and I, I mean, it's very simple, folks. If you want to beat the Minnesota Vikings, you got to stop jo- Justin Jefferson. If Justin Jefferson has 120, 130 yards in this game, they're going to lose. But obviously they know that. So we'll see what type of game plan the Giants come out with to try to stop them. I know Adoree Jackson is like didn't play in that game from what I remember and now is being activated. So their Giants are getting good defensive pieces back and at a right time to do it. The defensive line has been playing outstanding in the second half of the season with Thibodeau really coming into form as a rookie. You had uh, Dexter Lawrence really having a great season um, as well. So increased play from a team that I think all year people were saying like just isn't that good on either side of the ball. And now here they find themselves in a spot against a team who has won every single close game that they've been in. I think they are like 13-1 and in games that were decided by one score. And at some point, the, the luck's going to run out for the Minnesota Vikings. It's just about when. I'm personally going to take it in this game. I just, I would love to root for the Jets in the playoffs right now. Unfortunately, they didn't make it. Most of the time, I would not root for the Giants because I think Giants fans are mostly annoying. But this year, seemingly, they're not really that annoying. Like, they thought the team stunk too and were just excited that they started winning games and now find themselves in a playoff spot. How could you hate them for being excited to be having a game this weekend? Like, I'm rooting with you guys. Like, I hope... Saquon Barkley goes off. I think the game plan here on offense is going to be 
Daniel Jones runs the football. Saquon Barkley runs the football. It sets up some play action and some RPO, and Daniel Jones probably throws it like 25 times in the game. They run it about 50. They try to hold the ball, clock, you know, run the clock, score touchdowns, you know, long, uh, disheartening drives from the Giants. Like, you want to take the life out of this Vikings team. Pound the rock. You know, get a lot of great play-action passes rolling, especially if it is leading to, you know, first downs um, and long drives and touchdowns. Like, I think the Giants are looking to win the time of possession. That's for sure. So, all year, Brian Dable has had the right game plan and has executed it to the best of his ability as a coach, and the team has followed suit, and they've won some games that they shouldn't have been in or shouldn't have won, and here they are. So I'm gonna take, I'm gonna take them. I really, I I really have liked this team this year. I think Daniel Jones will be able to run around. You know, if 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 the Vikings game plan doesn't account for Daniel Jones's ability. He could win the game with his feet. I think even if they do, having that little, you know, diversion in the offense is enough to cause some problems for Minnesota um, and hopefully get some Giants receivers open in the passing game. So um, I'm excited for that one. Uh, like I said, on offense, if you take out Justin Jefferson, you should win the game. Um, you're not going to really take him out, but if you can contain him, you should win. Um, the Giants know that they're going to be trying to do that all week in practice and we'll see if they can execute I think they will Giants money line uh, at 4.30 on Fox on Sunday Sunday night NBC Baltimore and Cincinnati this is a rematch of week 18 in the same stadium Um, Cincinnati won I believe 31 now let's check the score so I don't give you a false score here uh, Cincinnati won 27 to 16. Um, so now they are favored by nine and a half. The total is 40 and a half. Um, Lamar Jackson is out. Tyler Huntley might be out. So that would also leave another third string in this game. Um, Anthony Brown for the Baltimore Ravens. The Ravens defense is good. Of course, with a third-string quarterback, like I was saying with the Dolphins, like you're going to get left out to dry a little bit. Like, Of course, they weren't going to have much of a chance last week against Cincinnati. I don't think they have much of a chance again this week um, because, you know, it's another divisional game. So this is the third time these teams have played this year. Um, you know, the Ravens really need Lamar Jackson like it's just it's simple as that like if they had him this is a close game because they don't I just don't see them keeping it within a touchdown um they didn't keep it within a touchdown last week I think Joe Mixon will grind it out I think they can't cover Jamar Chase and T Higgins like one of them is going to go off um and the Ravens' offense overall is going to have a tough time moving it, especially because they played this team last week. Um, I believe this is the fourth time that this has happened. 
MLR three times, which two of it, two times it happened in the same season, in the same round of the playoffs. Um, but after a team plays in week 18 and then plays again in the first round of the playoffs, the team who is home has won and covered the spread all three times. So um, that would be Cincinnati. I think between the trend and that they are just overall a better team, even if Lamar was playing, um, that they are the pick here. And because he's not, I think they could really turn this one into a Sunday night snoozer as well. Um, but then Monday night is another great matchup um, and a, a rematch of the first Sunday night game of the year, I believe, or Monday. Can't remember, but it was on prime time. It was Tampa Bay and Dallas in Tampa Bay. And Jason Garrett brought up a good point. The Dallas Cowboys this season on grass and away have been very bad and on turf have been very good. So on grass in Tampa, Tampa beat them in week one. The spread is two and a half. Man, oh man, this is an intriguing game. Um, Tom Brady and the Bucks have overall looked pretty poor throughout the season. Dallas has looked pretty impressive throughout the season. They have not had a losing streak of more than two the entire year. Yeah, they haven't lost two in a row the whole year. They've only lost one game at a time. Um, based on their streaks, um, because they have been on a streak of winning two games in a row, then a loss, then four games in a row, then a loss, then two games in a row, then a loss. Or maybe it was it was four. It was a loss, then four, a loss, then two, a loss, then four, a loss, then two. Now they lost in week 18. So now a four-game streak winning streak should follow to end the season, which would mean they are the Super Bowl champions um, if you're going by that math. I'm personally not. Uh, I think the Dallas Cowboys are good. I think they're actually very good. But Dak Prescott as a quarterback kind of scares me because he just has an ability to make a couple of plays in the game that really make you scratch your head. And in the NFL playoffs, that is not a good quality to have. Despite the teams, you know, like I said, I think the Cowboys are overall a better team. But when you add in the fact that they just don't play well on grass for whatever reason that is, I'm not sure, but they don't. Um, the fact that the quarterback I'd rather trust in this game is Tom Brady, um, even though Neither head coach is good. Mike McCarthy, not the best head coach that I would like to be riding into these playoffs. The Cowboys consistently have bad playoff performances. Um, and I think, you know, I, I don't know much about the, the Buccaneers defense. The Buccaneers offense did return Ryan Jensen, the starting center, which I think will be a huge boost to Tom Brady. But in terms of the Cowboys on offense, if you have a defender that can take C.D. Lamb out of it, I'm not saying that there aren't any other good options because you can throw to Dalton Schultz for sure. 
Tony P out of the backfield also had a great season in terms of receiving. But uh, I think if you take C.D. Lamb out of this game, Cowboys are going to have a tough time moving the ball. So, um, you know, either you want to do that or you want to try to take away the run. But, um, yeah, I just think, I think the Cowboys, just based on history, based on how I feel about Dak Prescott as the QB, I would rather take the Buccaneers here in this game. Uh, another plus two and a half or plus 115 money line. Um, so quickly, once again, I'll go through them very fast. Uh, 4.30 Saturday, San Fran minus nine and a half. I would take the minus 10 as well. Uh, Jacksonville plus two and a half hosting the Chargers or plus 115 money line. Bills on Sunday at one, minus 13 and a half versus the Dolphins. Giants plus three and money line plus one third. No, it says 140. Uh, in Minnesota at 430 at a on Sunday, Cincinnati minus nine and a half or 10 um, against Baltimore. And last but not least, Tampa Bay plus two and a half or plus 120 money line on Monday night against the Cowboys. So, um, I'm excited. I mean, the NFL playoffs has never failed me one time. Even if the wild card round isn't as good as it was last year, which would be hard because every game was good. Um, I think, you know, there's a couple of games in there that I think will be good. Who knows? Maybe these big spread games, I'll be wrong. Maybe there's a close game between Seattle and San Fran. Maybe Baltimore has something figured out. Um you know, I don't think the Dolphins have anything figured out, but we'll see. Uh, and I think the other three games for sure will be uh, pretty good. So I'm excited. And we will move on to baseball before uh, I send you guys off on your merry way here on January 13th, Friday the 13th, first episode of 2023. Um, and two of, you know, I'm going to talk about the Yankees first, even though the other story is a lot bigger in terms of baseball, and that is Carlos Correa. But um, both of these moves happened in 2022, uh, in between the time of the last episode and now. So the Yankees got Carlos Rodon. Um, overall has had two monster seasons with the White Sox and the Giants the last two seasons. I believe it was a 2 8 7 for the Giants last year and a 2-3 for the White Sox the season before. Um, but before COVID was really just an average guy, like, you know, didn't have stats that really jumped off the board. And I guess he found something, um, you know, he's a lefty, has overall had better stats than our ace the last two years, but will probably still be the number two. Um, so I'm definitely very excited. Uh, you know, overall rotation now is looking like Cole, Rodon, Cortez, Severino, and then Montas, um, which if you believe he was hurt the whole time he was here, which I'm not sure what I believe, to be completely honest with you, um, and you believe he can get back to like that 3-3 threshold on the ERA, 
Um, then this has a chance to be one of the best rotations in baseball uh, and definitely one of the best one-two punches, that's for sure. So um, honestly, don't have the logistics of the contract. I think it's like six years and in the $200 million range. So uh, Yankees spent some money this offseason. I think they heard... You know, people calling for the job, people saying that the Yankees don't spend, don't do this, don't do that. They sign back Judge. They sign Radon. Um, they hire Brian Sabian as the executive advisor to Brian Cashman. Um, and this is a guy who previously was with the Yankees from 1985 to 1992. First, he was a scout. Then he was the scouting director. Um and then he was the vice president of player development. Um, now, during those years, they drafted Mariano Rivera, um, Derek Jeter, Andy Pettit. So this guy was in a very prominent role for when the Yankees started their dynasty. Um, so that's good. And then... He went over to San Francisco. He was the GM from 1997 to, uh, to 2014 or 15. Um, and then was named the vice president of baseball operations. But in 2019, it seems like he kind of stepped down to be a scout again. So I think it's pretty interesting that he's been in a lesser role for the last couple of seasons because if he's now taking such a big role, that would kind of make me feel like he was forced to be in a lesser role, um, which is interesting to treat someone who was a part of three championship uh, teams as the general manager for you to do that. But that's what the Giants elected to do. So clearly this guy still has an edge. He still wants to try to do this job and, and do it the right way and try to win um, and has something to prove. The Yankees clearly heard the the fire cashman um shouting from from wherever it was coming from but uh and they so they hire this guy and i think it's going to be hard for people to hate on it because they'll see what years he was here and what jobs he did for the yankees and associate him with jeter and all those guys and it'll just yeah, I think overall, I think it's going very well with the fans, this move. Um, especially if they sign someone now or they trade for someone during the season and they make a big difference. I think people will try to liken it to this guy because they will definitely not want to give Brian Cashman credit for anything. So um, they get Radon, number two pitcher. I think now the only hole really left is left field. Um, maybe they're planning on Oswaldo Cabrera being the starter. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe there's something on the table for them that isn't something that's being talked about by anyone else. Um, you know, I think only Cashman and maybe now Brian Sabian would know. So we'll see if there's any more moves. If there are, we'll tell you. If not, um, this is an Oswaldo Cabrera stand account. So, uh, 
We'll move across New York City to the next borough, which is Queens. Um, because Carlos Correa has now signed and actually signed with the Minnesota Twins. So Carlos Correa has signed three deals now in the last month because I was supposed to give you guys the Giants news, or I did give you the Giants news, and then that uh, halted due to physical. The Mets signed him. That halted due to physical. So he had 13 years, 350 mil from the Giants. Um, they halted it because he had a right ankle surgery in 2014 when he was playing high A ball. So that's pretty crazy. that This injury didn't even happen in the major leagues. And it halted one of the biggest deals ever. Um, then 12 years and, and another high uh, number for the Mets. Um, and I'm not going to lie, folks. Like, I don't like Carlos Correa. And I was planning to come on here and bash the guy and say that he sucks. But I think it's kind of crazy that this deal got, you know, folded twice because of this. Like, I, I don't think it's fair to him. Um, like, I, I'm personally happy that he had to go through it because I just don't like him as a person and as a player. But I don't think it was fair either. Um. I also just think like like yeah, I don't like him because of what happened with the Astros, but I have definitely let that skew my like view of him actually as a player. Like I don't think he is worth the money, but then you kind of go look at some of the other guys who have gotten bigger contracts at the same position. And all of his stats are better. Now, I don't think he's the best defensive shortstop, but he's definitely serviceable. Um, and I think, you know, eventually, of course, like everybody, he's going to have to move to third or second or whatever. But I think there's still a couple of years here where he can still play short. He's still going to have an OPS like in the eight fives. Um, I think there has been concerns that he stays healthy. Of course, he seemingly hasn't had any right ankle problem ever in his major league career, which I, you know, find it funny that that's how he got screwed twice. Um, I'm happy he ends up with Minnesota because I think Minnesota stinks. I really do hope the guy still loses. Um, but I don't think it's fair what has happened here. And from the Giants standpoint, they swing and miss at Judge and Correa, they do land Michael Conforto, but I don't think that's any solace to any Giants fan because um, he didn't play last year. And I think for the Mets, like, you got to look at it like this. Do you miss out on Correa? Sure you do. Um, but Correa wasn't going to play shortstop for the Mets. He was going to play third. Um, that's now $300 million that Uncle Stevie has now in the pot, like pockets away and Shohei Otani's up next year. And I'm telling you right now, Shohei Otani is getting an offer he can't refuse from the New York Mets. It's simple. Shohei Otani is 
a Japanese baseball player. Like, I don't think it matters to him where he plays. I think he wants to go to a team that's in a big market that wants to win and that will do, like, that will, one, pay him, and two, try to get other guys that can win with him. The Mets are already built to win. Then you add Shohei Otani and the other two boxes check with big market. Good team will pay him. And it just seems like it's a perfect fit. So you saved all this money. You can go after Shohei next year. If you miss out on Shohei, you can go after Manny Machado, who I think is the better player of the two. If you're taking Correa or Machado, I'd rather take Machado. And this season, you start with Escobar. Escobar finished the season fantastic. I think he was the player of the month in September in the NL. Literally hit like 300, had seven or eight homers. He was really good. Even in August, he was really good because he was hitting home runs against the Yankees. So you start with Escobar. If he stinks, you have Vientos and Brett Beatty. And if they somehow both stink, you still are one position away because everything else is probably fine barring injury. Like you have Lindor, one of the best shortstops. You have McNeil off the batting title at second. Pete Alonso was very good again at first base this season. Starling Marte, uh, Nimmo, and Marcana in the outfield. Like it's a great team. It's a team that's ready to win. If you're one third baseman shy and one of those three options hasn't done anything for you, you trade for someone in July and it'll be fine. So I think the Mets kind of dodged the bullet. Um, you know, I think it's crazy that there are probably a lot of other people like me who have such a skewed vision of this guy that I think he stinks and that I think He's a cancer because maybe he's not even that either. Like he was on the Twins. The Twins have never been good, and that's why I'm glad he's gonna go back there because I don't think he can make them into a team that will contend. Like I hope Buxton stays healthy because I think healthy great players are good for the game. Um, but I hope they do not win much. Um, like I said, there was literally a preparation for me to say that he's not worth the money, but then you go and look at the stats and he's probably the first or second best shortstop in the game right now. Um, he gets six years, 200 mil from the twins. Um, but I just thought it was crazy that not one, but two times the guy signed the deal and they, you know, go back on, on the deal because of a physical issue with the right, Surgically repaired ankle. So, last but not least, um, although I think I did the NBA like in the middle real quick, but I'll do it again. Uh, Luka Doncic, very early pick for the MVP. Anthony Davis is hurt on the Lakers. Lakers kind of stink, but are doing a little better. Nets are doing really good since Jack Vaughn took over. Kevin Durant is hurt. I was planning on going to the Monday, January 30th game between the Lakers and the Nets, but of course, 
Durant got hurt against the Miami Heat on Saturday, so now that's all in question. Um, and so I guess with that, folks, we are wrapping up episode 24 of Go Be Great. I want to thank you guys all for, for locking in with me for the last however long I've been talking, probably about 90 minutes. Um, you know, I really appreciate the support. Like I said, I, I really apologize for the uh, elongated break. Um, like I said earlier in the episode, I think a couple of days made, you know, you can obviously understand why I wasn't trying to put out a podcast then, you know, it was a crazy time, but maybe not my best effort at the same time. Um, definitely was always thinking about it and hopefully, um, you know, there won't be many big breaks like that ever again. Um, I believe next week I'll try to come back on uh Tuesday or yeah no, I'll try to come back either on Tuesday night or Wednesday morning with you for you guys um with thoughts on the NFL playoffs and looking forward to the next round of them. Um other than that, I don't have any like I don't want to talk about college basketball in the middle of the NFL playoffs. I don't think it's the right time to do it. Um, the NBA, same thing. Like, if there's a big story, sure, I'll cover it. But if not, I think for now, it's going to solely be NFL-based. Um, you know, we'll reassess where we're at after the Super Bowl because then, you know, it'll be spring training. It'll be the last month of the regular season in college basketball before the tournaments. Um, and then we can start heating up the NBA last three months of the regular season and playoffs. I don't know. Last month of the regular season for March and playoffs. So um, overall, happy with the episode, I feel like. I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Um, and like I said, I'll be back on Tuesday or Wednesday at some point. We'll talk the wild card round. We'll look forward to the divisional round. I look forward to it. Thank you guys once again, and go be great.